Hi and welcome to Arrow Power. This week we're at the Arrow Technology Summit. This is Arrow's annual partner forum held in Denver. Over the next few weeks we're going to be presenting you all the power debate sessions that occurred at ATS. You're going to hear from our practice leaders talking about security, IoT, data intelligence, cloud and next generation platforms. We hope you enjoy this Arrow Bowers production and please subscribe. Nicole, you want to touch on the IoT solution aggregator program. Yes. I think, um, again, we've seen a lot of evolution there, but I think it'd be good for people to understand what is it and, you know, why are you guys doing this? Yeah, so I was glad that you touched on that because um, we, you know, we kind of look at these IoT solutions end to end and look at how many partners it actually takes in the ecosystem to make those come to light. And what we've found is that in any given solution, it usually takes anywhere from 10 to 40 partners, depending on how complex that IoT solution is, all the way from the ODM, the, the hardware vendor itself, the uh, distribution partners, the SIs, ISVs, OEMs, all the way to um, the, the end customer, right? And there are a lot of different players that provide value in that ecosystem. And so we've built out a program that's called the Solution Aggregator Program, not very innovative, but it really describes what it is. And that's where we look at partners like Arrow that have the global scale and the capabilities all the way from hardware to software to cloud, et cetera, et cetera, as being sort of the general contractor, if you will, or the Sherpa, which I think is the, uh, the title, the title of, of this session is, you know, pick your Sherpa. Um, we look at, at Arrow as being the general contractor, the Sherpa of those solutions end to end, not to do it all on their own, but to bring in the right partners that fit in to that specific solution or that specific vertical. And so, you know, we've, we've kind of, we're similar in mindset on that um, with Intel as well. It's, let's, let's put our, um, no pun intended, but our arrows into one quiver so that we can go all together in the same um, direction in terms of really working with the right partners to be able to aggregate those solutions and get them to market faster and in a repeated sort of way. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I want to, I want to, like, double-click into maybe one of the market-ready solutions. The one that I think is quite interesting is something like the V5 systems, right? You guys had the vision of, hey, this is something interesting, and we're seeing a problem around this. Rod, uh, for many of the folks in this room that may not know about V5, um, I just think that's an interesting solution because all the things that are required to bring it together uh, to ultimately deliver the outcome, and there's a lot of complexity there, but it, we're, that's probably one of the solutions where we're seeing the most amount of repeatability at, at the same time. Yeah, so, so, so it's a great example. Before I answer that, I, lo I love the uh, arrows in, our, in the putting our arrows together in one quiver. I think yeah. we should send that to Matt Anderson. It's the best piece of marketing I've yeah. heard so far. Yeah. So, uh, um, so we, we, we're working on this premise that you can get repeatable, deployable capabilities. Um, you know, the great thing with with uh, I think the technology ecosystem is we, we have the opportunity to talk to each other, other at different levels of integration. So Intel has a great relationship with Microsoft, Intel has a great relationship with Dell and with Cisco and, and, and. And you can figure out how those ecosystems can come together. So, so, so we found a, uh, you know, a small, relatively small SI uh, ISV company called V5 that they uh, offer the capability to deliver, I mean, basically the, the real value is they deliver 
solutions that don't rely on access to the grid. It, they're solar powered, but they deliver visualization, visual monitoring capabilities, and they deliver um, the, you know, the opportunity to then to link that into a network, into a corporate enterprise. So they, they deliver this kind of bundle of, of technology deployment and visualization security capability in, in areas where there are extreme, you know, extreme conditions or, or non-normal conditions. So for example, you want to add a DSS capability in your car park if you're a company, or you want to add that to a, a, a very specific part of an oil pipeline. They offer that kind of capability. So, so relatively small company, doing something difficult very well, uh, amplified through a relationship with Dell, amplified through a, a relationship with Arrow. So Arrow have onboarded V5 onto their line card. Arrow are providing the capability to aggregate and deploy those solutions. And now a number of very kind of large ITSIs are starting to uh, go and scale those capabilities. And obviously it's creating data that is fantastic for, for uh, Azure and, and customers driving capabilities back into the cloud. Now, you know, but the, the thing to think about here is, you know, we made a mistake. Actually, we've got Troy Smith here in the room. You know, Troy and I kind of beat ourselves up a couple of years ago in something that we, we didn't quite figure out is we said, okay, well, this is, a, this is a security solution. This is digital surveillance and security. So we're going to feed that into our smart cities practice. Okay, so, and that felt a reasonably smart thing to do. Then you start saying, well, the use case behind this is visual monitoring. So, you know, visual, visual monitoring, looking at a sequence of events and deciding on an outcome, clearly that's, a, that's an absolutely critical application for a smart city uh, looking at any kind of um, threats that you may have in a city. But guess what? Exactly the same IP can imply, apply in smart manufacturing. If you're building a manufacturing line and you want to visually inspect parts, Visual monitoring is a perfect capability, so you don't have people looking at the same thing a thousand times a day. You do that with a basic visual monitoring. So actually, the core technology, that visual monitoring technology, you're using to detect security uh, uh, issues in cities. You're also using it to run more effective manufacturing pipelines, autonomous driving, and, and, and. So, so my, you know, the, the premise is, Internet of Things is very, very vague. You get these use cases, and I would argue that there are, there are probably less than 20 use cases that really define all of IoT. Uh, if we had a bunch of, and Microsoft may have a, a slightly different view on that, I don't know, but, you know, but if you look at uh, visual displays, visual, visual monitoring, energy monitoring, environmental monitoring, smart buildings, I could go down this predictive maintenance, which is where most of us start in our IoT journey. Those use cases can be redeployed again and again and again across multiple different industries. And actually, I believe visual and video is an absolutely compelling capability that goes across all of those industries. And, and if you're a technology provider here that doesn't have a strategy for how you're going to manage and deal with video, you need to be thinking about that very quickly and also, that feeds into a whole workload consolidation discussion, how you consolidate those workloads. Again, it applies to every use case. So you can start to 
you can start to build up these use cases that can be deployed across multiple industries. And that's what we should be doing as an ecosystem, is getting our offerings organized in a way that we can deliver ultimately rapid acceleration to, to, to end customers. So, so you know, we started with V5, and I think we've got uh, Willie Chow and Ted Damaris uh, following this session to, in, in one of the breakouts, giving a kind of more detailed view of a number of those use cases. Um, but, but that capability is repeat deployable again and again and again across many industries. And that's just tremendously compelling and tremendously exciting for an industry where we've been working on science projects for two decades. Yeah, and if I can add a couple things to that, again, you have you know, the power, you've got the compute, you've got the visual um, inspection, and all different types of sensors you can attach to that, that compute node. It has to go communicate that to something and you need a network for that. And again, part of the aggregation that Arrow can do is provide that, that cellular service because the whole idea here is you don't want to dig a trench, so you want to add the cellular service. That data needs to go somewhere. And uh, ultimately, somebody needs to go install it, right? None of our companies are going to go on cherry pickers and, uh, and install something on a pole. Um, and that's where some of the partners in this room are going to play a pretty big part. Right? They have the expertise and the capability to go do this around the country here in the U.S. Um, I want to kind of pivot to something Rod talked about, uh, you know, manufacturing and, and visual inspection. And we touched on, on edge computing, but I think that's an important trend that's happening in IoT. And uh, both of you guys, I think, see the market similarly and kind of approaching it uh, from your perspectives. Nicole, you know, from a Microsoft perspective, you know, there's a lot of innovation going on in this space relative to, again, we talk about machine learning and we talk about the intelligent edge. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I'll start with the edge and then kind of move up the, the food chain. So the edge, you know, we kind of look at that as a couple different, in a couple different ways. There's ground field edge, so, you know, sensors and uh, devices that collect data have been around for a long time, right? And, and maybe that's simply, hey, how do we gather that data and so, somehow aggregate it up in the cloud and process it in a, in a different way? But then we're seeing this whole emergence of smart edge devices that actually do the processing right in the device themselves and then only send interesting data up to the cloud to be, to be analyzed. And I'll, I'll give a really simple example. In the healthcare industry, we've got a partner who built um, a, a device that you put on your finger and it'll take a blood sample, analyze it real time, and if you're fine, and maybe you're diabetic or pregnant or whatever, you, you know, it analyzes the, the information real time and says, hey, you're okay, don't worry, you don't have to call the doctor. Or it might send that, that data, that information to the cloud to be an analyzed by algorithms running in a, an intelligent cloud, and then off to the clinician that's going to validate that data and get in touch with the doctor, reducing a cycle that in some places might have taken two to three weeks to a cycle that can be done in a matter of 10 minutes all through processing from edge to cloud. So that's kind of an example of how devices themselves are, are going from just measuring and then processing in the cloud to actually being able to process um, on the actual device. So um, that edge is, you know, kind of where the whole IoT experience starts. And then if you think about, you know, what are the building blocks as you move up to the cloud 
Um, recently, we um, announced IoT Central, which is a SaaS-based service to take all of these different devices that are either doing sort of brownfield or greenfield intelligent edge, edge uh, processing and put them into a much easier format to connect that up to the cloud. So IoT Central is really the, the, the way to make that whole cycle of building out those custom applications a lot faster by using the building blocks that are in place. And I think that that's, again, part of the, the evolution that we're seeing, right? Again, you have, if somebody wants to go build a custom solution and want, wants to use all the platform services, you guys have all of them. You can go build it. But most people in this room aren't looking to build platforms over and over again. I think they want to go develop the application, which is really where Central comes in. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think the... I think the value of the edge and the rise of the edge is a critical theme that we all need to digest. So, you know, apologies if you've heard this saying before. I think we talked about it in a, in a, in a previous Arrow session. My favorite IoT kind of semi-joke is um, God created the world in seven days. And the reason it only took God seven days to create the world is there was no legacy infrastructure. <laughs> so, so there's... there's um, there's tons of things out there. And, you know, guess what? You know, if we, if we sat down today with a whiteboard and said, we're going to change this hotel and we're going to add all this extra value and we'll do kind of video panels in the lifts, so actually they've got some pretty basic ones here anyway. Uh, we're going to do light management. There's an existing infrastructure. So you have to integrate all those things together in some kind of way. And there's one premise, which is everything goes directly into a centralized cloud. And I think we've all figured out pretty quickly we don't want that. First of all, go back to previous discussion, tons of data, you know, the growth of video. You don't want to be sending that amount of data around your networks uh, the whole time. There may be a subset of that you want to, you, you want to manage, uh, which gives you value and reduces your security. There's latency issues. You know, the, the, the example that's always, always cited is autonomous driving. You know, if, you, if you're going to make an autonomous driving decision, you have to make that at the edge. You have to make that that in the, in the vehicle, you can't be going back to a, 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 a centralized capability with any latency to make that decision. There's the whole on-prem, off-prem. I mean, if you want to have a discussion around the, the legislation around the German health industry and how you manage data, you know, we could have a very nourishing two hours together, but there's a ton of complexity here. So we see the rise of the edge. Now, the thing is, people think about gateways and the edge, and they think, okay, well, this is kind of like a you know, a bridge or a router. Some of these can be quite chunky, capable, intelligent um, uh, systems, and they can provide all kinds of workload consolidation opportunities at the edge. Again, we talked about V5. You know, people put digital surveillance and security solutions in cities um, for security, and then they say, "Well, you know what? We can do. We could do some audio detection." We could do some visual information. We could provide Wi-Fi in that environment. We could provide some citizen, citizen information. So you're starting to see the ability to consolidate, consolidate those workloads at the edge. And again, you know, workload consolidation, the industry confuses itself, and people think, well, that means big virtual machines. That means a centralized cloud. Now, one of the things Matt said yesterday, which was very intelligent, I thought, which was good, is you know, the cloud comes all the way down to the ground. So that's the growth of the edge. And workload consolidation becomes a key theme as you start to add those capabilities to the edge. 
And you know, if you want to see the best example of workload consolidation, if you want to explain it to your family and friends, look at your phone. So you know, the phone is a great example of consolidating a bunch of workloads. Uh, my 18-year-old son Joe kind of said to me the other day, Roger, a luddite, you still use your phone for voice calls because he doesn't understand, he doesn't have a phone for voice calls. He has it for gaming and video and texting and maps. And so workload consolidation becomes a key part of that. So, you know, I think every architecture has things integrating into some kind of edge capability. You know, in Intel, we've termed it the rise of the edge into some kind of network capability. And then there's some, some kind of more kind of centralized cloud offering. And I think, you know, uh, Nicole's talked about some, some of the the strategies kind of around that. But I think getting that architecture right and understanding how you and your solution capability can play in that architectural framework is very important. And again, I think there'll be some great examples today where you can see that those edge capabilities in action and how they integrate into a cloud capability. And I think on that edge piece, again, you talked about visual inspection on a factory line, you know, you have to train a machine learning model in the cloud. There's a lot of compute required for that. And once that's trained, you can go deploy it on the edge so it's making those real-time decisions because you don't need to, to, again, send all that data to the cloud. You need to make the real-time decision of stop the line or alert somebody. And these are the kinds of solutions that, again, the combination of the technologies that Microsoft and Intel are bringing that are, uh, you know, bringing these use cases to life. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, the, the hour's gone by quickly. Um, I'll ask one last question to the panel, but then we'll open it up for a couple of questions to the audience here. Um, from an industry segment perspective, are there particular industry segments that you're seeing more traction in, Nicole? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're seeing a lot around smart energy. We're seeing a lot around smart buildings, um, smart uh, manufacturing. Those are probably um, three of the largest, but we're also seeing some interesting things happen around smart agriculture, um, uh, smart education scenarios. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty vast, but I think that we're kind of converging on around six or seven that are, that are the big ones that I mentioned. Rod, what about from your yeah, So, so, so the, I think the end user segments, there are many. And I think you know, if you look at every geography, there's significant challenges around uh, transportation, around manufacturing, around retail, um, around health. So I think those core industries are going to stay key. I think a critical learning for us is think about the use case and then how you deploy it in the industry. So we used to think about retail inventory management. Now we think about inventory management, and guess what, you know, Arrow's not really a retailer, but you kind of have inventory management issues, right? Uh, so, um, got a and, few parts. And inventory management opportunities, I would add. Yeah. So, so, you know, th think about the use case, and the use case is around kind of visual monitoring, energy, energy monitoring, smart buildings, as, as you were saying, uh, and the car was uh, is 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 you know a really really key, and then you can apply them in in those market segments, and, and I think that gives us an opportunity to start the conversation at a really advanced advanced stage, as opposed to sitting down with a retailer saying, 
you know, I, I want a smart, pro I, want an, I want an IoT project, I want a smart project. Rod, I'm worried about OT, IT integration. Can we have a two-day seminar on that? And you're having a kind of a religious debate rather than talking about deployments. Yeah, and I think, I think part of this discussion is really uh, don't walk in to a customer with a blank sheet of paper saying, I can build anything for you, but really start with some of these building blocks that, that we have and then direct them to a, a conversation in terms of, again, based on their needs, what are the solutions that we can bring together that can accelerate you know, time to value for them? I think that's, uh, you know, the points that you were just making are really good ones in terms of there are the verticals, right? But then there are these horizontal solutions that can be applicable across many, many industries like asset management, cognitive services, for example. We see it a lot in retail, the ability to detect things like emotion, um, you know, what am I feeling right now as I'm looking at this display and then having dynamic displays served back to me so that maybe I can go from being disappointed in what's on the shelf to being guided to some place else that has what I'm looking for. So I think, you know, things um, like that, they're applicable across so many industries. So also think about, you know, what role can you play in plugging in to the verticals with these more horizontal type of solutions. Great, thank you guys. Uh, we'll open it up for a couple questions. Uh, we've got the catch boxes there. Any questions? Throw it to you. Nice catch. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so as you're looking to speed it and repeat it as you take these market-ready solutions and we're aggregating them and putting them all together, and our partners in the room take it to the next level and make them customer ready. How do you go in and have that discussion that takes the OT, IT divide, and how do we deal with that situation to help the adaptation at the end user? So I think uh, I'll start, but I'll kind of hand it off to you guys. I think what you're really talking about, you know, we've been kind of focused on the technology. What you're kind of pointing at is what is the business transformation that needs to happen, the cultural transformation that needs to happen? Um, and I think while we can provide some guidance, ultimately you guys have the closest relationship in this room relative to your customers um, and you know, their problems and really understanding their business. And you know, in some cases you may have that capability, in others you know, there are other partners in the ecosystem that you can lean on that can provide that capability around business transformation, which I think is a critical part of IoT. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think the technology challenge is one that we've come a long way in solving, but the business transformation is where we see a lot of um, projects get stuck, and it's kind of what I was referring to earlier, which was around how do I go from you know taking a complete solution that has it's got components, it's got hardware, software, maybe some cloud services and actual physical human services to go integrate this stuff. And how do I turn it in from, you know, quoting all of those different pieces to my customer as different parts of the solution? And how do I go out and say, hey, you know, I want to have you know, maybe an agriculture solution that these guys are working on right now, um, instead of quoting all the different pieces and parts, I want to just charge the farmer $10 per cow per month to be able to monitor the health of that cow to make sure that it's not being injected with hormones and all that kind of thing. And so that's really where we've seen the biggest hurdle to adoption is to 
figure out how the business model changes along with technology. And we're looking to partners like Arrow to help us solve that in the industry. Anything yeah, to add, Rod? Yeah, but so we're going we're gonna to hear from Kerry Lawrence later on on kind of fearless leadership and taking risks and making mistakes. And I think the spirit of that in this community is great. You know, we, we, love, we love innovating, we love driving transformation. I think one of the things that we've learned, and by the way, I think Arrow is kind of have deep expertise in this, is, is there is a process. And, you know, understanding what customers really want and being able to articulate that clearly, articulate the value proposition, understanding what we have in our inventory to support that and putting those together, and then having SI, VAR capability at the edge, you know, making sure that fits. Again, it sounds really easy, it sounds simple, and you know, you're probably saying, Rod, I'm not gonna give you an MBA for that, right? You know, that's so obvious. We just don't do it very well. You know, we miss a process step, or we get into these excitable discussions around what's possible, and we all high-five each other, and we walk out with non-executable plans, and we feel good about ourselves. So I, I just, so I think the trick is there. So I think if you're, if you're an SI of our partner, however you define that kind of role at the edge, understand what's available and what you can deliver to your end user. And that's massive value. And that's a gap that, you know, I think we're, we're kind of, we're getting proficient at, but I'll give, I'll give us an industry a C at that at the moment. And if we're going to get to where we want to be, we need to move that up to an A. So I think putting those two things together is, is key. And I think you'll, I think you'll, get, you'll see some very thought-provoking examples today of solution capability, which is kind of very, very deployable, but needs some art at the edge to drive that value to your end user customers. So there's an opportunity for us all here. And if I can add one more thing. Um, you know, you guys are probably going to have some thoughts relative to customers uh, that you guys have. I had a couple of conversations last night around some potential opportunities, and the question was, how do we engage? And uh, I, I don't know if Sammy's in the room, uh, but Sammy Taro basically leads the, uh, the IoT practice for the SINR channel for us. So please reach out to him. He's your main interface. His team, Nick Sanchez, uh, is also in the room. Make sure you take a minute to meet up with him. And he's the one, thank you, Nick. Uh, uh, you know, make sure that uh, you guys get to know them. And they're your main interface because they know how to go navigate all the other suppliers, technology, people, capabilities we have with an arrow. And they'll help hurdle, you know, uh, kind of bridge, bridge that gap for you and bring the right resources to kind of help you close the deal. Also, I'll do a shameless plug here. All right. Um, we have, Microsoft is doing a, um, a series of events called IoT in Action, which uh, last year we did five. This year we have uh, 10 that we're doing in multiple cities around the world. We also have a web series. And both of our partners that are next to me are highly involved in that series as well in terms of, you know, Arrow providing that solution aggregator capability and then, of course, our partnership with Intel. So. I would be happy to talk to anybody about it or, or just go look IoT in action. And um, those are great events to not only see what the current thinking is around IoT, but also we've got um, a lot of opportunities to meet other partners that are doing interesting things and matchmaking uh, with partners that you can plug into if you have part of a solution that comprises an IoT solution. All right. Uh, one last quick question. 
So just while we go into the, to the mic, there's a, there's a bunch of Intel people here today as well. You are going to hear from Willie Chow and, and Ted Demiris on solution strategy. Having those two together in the same place at the same time is amazing, by the way, so you're very lucky. Um, and if you're sitting next to somebody you don't know and they look smart, they might work for Intel, so reach out and have a call. <laughs> <laughs> that was more shameless than mine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I may have uh, one question. Uh, one thing that came up is uh, the proof of concept, the exploration. And we often deal with companies and value-added resellers who have a challenge. They know how to do business one day, one way, sorry. They're not multidisciplinary. Um, they don't understand the building blocks of the entire ecosystem to bring a solution to market. And what I find very interesting is that although we understand that there is a, a strong desire, and you repeated this many times, and I love it, the repeat and deploy. And I think it is exactly what we need to do in order to make it sustainable and to find a sustainable business model that everybody can buy into. The question I have for you is that, considering that we're dealing with different organizations with different skill sets, with the complexity of uh, building solutions from the hardware to the security to the cloud to integrating it within uh, the business context and putting the, I would say, the complexity at the edge. So you're here to help provide the technology, facilitates the, facilitate the journey, yet there's this dismissal around the POCs and most companies like IBM will promote a lot of the ideation sessions, the crawl, walk, and run approach, which very often takes too long and makes it difficult for people to understand the return and makes it easy to shut down a project that may be reaching some level of maturity or could reach a level of maturity, and it doesn't because of transformation management issues. So I, I, I get a sense, and I'm sorry, I'm French, so things take longer for French people. <laughs> So much for the quick question. So, but but I, I'm asking if it's a British uh, colleague over here. So anyway, so the bottom line is this. You dismissed it in a way to favor a much more industrious approach, and yet I still see out there in the field that there is a discomfort around jumping in, and there is a lack of understanding of the multidisciplinary. So do you have the intention in your journey, in your offer, to give a clear vision of the building blocks of what it takes so that the participants know exactly where to reach out to build a solution. Yeah. The enablement here. Is yeah, what so I, I think uh, the reason we're making fun of science projects and POCs is because we've gone through the school of hard knocks relative to those. Um, and uh, I think our intention there is not to say no, but make sure that there is business buy-in at the highest level when you go into these proofs of concepts, that there is you know, a, a journey that's well-defined from the proof of concept to the pilot to production. Otherwise, what, we, what we've found over the last couple of years is a lot of, hey, can you do a free POC for me? And we spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of time, and ultimately there is no benefit. There's no business benefit for anybody. And so I think that's really the lesson learned. Uh, there is there is always work required, but I think uh, you know if you if you go the path of the the free POC, I think people are setting themselves up for failure because there is no business buy-in. Yeah. So 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 a, a couple of comments. So first of all, congratulations to France on winning the World Cup. <laughs> um, I, I'm from England, and uh, the last time we won it was before Intel was invented. So uh, <laughs> that was 1966. By the way, the, the the joke in England is when we started building the Channel Tunnel. 
between England and France, we'd both start building the, building the tunnel and the middles wouldn't meet. So uh, we have a fantastic relationship <laughs> with the French uh, in, the, in the UK. Um, going, back to the, going back to the kind of boardroom discussion around there's a trillion dollar opportunity, but we're not seeing it. I think there's frustration that we haven't been disciplined enough around really being honest around outcomes that are possible and deployable now. So I just think that's the essence of what we're trying to do. Um, I absolutely don't think we're trying to slow down innovation. You know, in 2017, Intel spent $13 billion in R&D. Now, innovation continues. But, you know, we, we, have to, we have to just be very purposeful in understanding where that innovation is needed. And there's enough requirement around business model innovation, infrastructure innovation, uh, regulation innovation, there's lots of places where that innovation is needed. I just don't want us to keep doing it again and again and again in the same place and, and, and getting the same outcome. Um, one, one of my kind of, you know, great um, kind of coaches when in Intel in previous years was a chap called Kirk Scalgan, who's now uh, running, running Lenovo. And, and uh, he, one of his comments was always, sometimes you just have to slow down to speed up. And I think having that discipline to to take the time to understand how we can join this to deployment is purposeful and meaningful and shouldn't detract from innovation, but should enable innovation in the places where it's needed. Again, very easy to say, and I can say, you know, go buy the winning lottery ticket tonight. That's a great strategy. It's very hard to do. Um, you know, so I do understand this isn't simple, but you know, if we can move away from the whiteboard innovation in the boardroom and the people feeling good and, and, and the you know, the CEO of a company saying, Rod, I want an IoT project. I don't care what it is. I just want an IoT project I can announce to my, uh, to my shareholders. If we can move away from that to meaningful, tangible outcomes, as an industry, we're in much better shape and we're delivering more value. I also, I also believe that there's a, an, a, an essence of, of scalability in the POCs. So, I, you know, we're, we're kind of saying, hey, don't do POCs, but a lot of POCs have evolved into something that can then be made into a repeatable solution or is a repeatable solution. Rod, you mentioned that you have little, you have more than 100. Uh, Microsoft is, is in those, same, those types, same type of digits in terms of the repeatable solution. So there's a potential for every POC to become a block of, of IP that then gets resold and, and repeatable. It's just, um, I think your point, Ashish, was stay away from the ones that truly are, you know, science experiments and think about could this evolve into something that could be replicated over and over and over again. And we're very happy to invest in that type of uh, solution. Excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, again, thank you very much to this audience for hanging in it. We, we went over a couple minutes, but uh, I think the sessions are going to start next, and so enjoy them, and we'll, we'll see you around throughout the day today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Alabama. We really hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please subscribe, and please check out our other fantastic podcasts in the Bandwidth Network. See you again next week.